another depressing result for Scott Frost and company, but they were able to hang with a good team on the road in prime time, and we are here to talk about it. Once again, welcome back to Rapid Reactions, episode number four, season two. Grant Hansen and Connor Clark here with you. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen 15 underscore Hansen. You can find our podcast on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly on any of your favorite podcast networks. Nebraska falls in overtime to number 20, Michigan State 23 to 20. They fall to 2 and 3, 0 and 2 in the conference. Michigan State off to a 4 and 0 start, their best since 2015. Let's dive right into this because this is a game that had uh, pretty much everything and a lot of the same kind of struggles for Nebraska, and it was very back and forth. It was a great game. I mean, from yeah, a, from a view intense. from a neutral stance, it was a great game. But we're gonna break it down for you, say what we liked, what we didn't like, um, and let's get into this. So, Grant, your initial thoughts the morning after a heartbreaker in East Lansing. Man, like. Every time I feel like things can't get any worse, they do. Every time I feel that there is no way, there's not a different way to lose a football game, they find a way. It's incredibly disappointing. And with seven and a half minutes ago when we scored, or we, <laughs> they, I guess, scored the touchdown uh, to make it 20 to 13. I turned to my grandpa and my dad and I said, this would be an interesting new way to lose. And sure enough, there it was. I, I'm shocked. It's like, like I said, I think I've said it before. It's like a, it's like a mental disorder, honestly. Like, I, I don't understand it. And again, that's honestly the best way I have of describing it because you have guys who are totally capable individuals who continuously find ways to lose football games. Uh, and the thing that's so depressing, and I've thought about this a lot, and legitimately, this is not crazy. What I'm about to say to you is not insane. Nebraska is a special teams unit and an offensive line away from being 5-0 and in a top 15 team in the country. I would agree with that. And it comes at least four and one. You know, it comes back to what I said on Thursday, which is this: Nebraska is a team that has a roster that can compete with pretty much any team in the country, short of Alabama and maybe Georgia. I don't know. You thought the Georgia law, the Georgia victory over Clemson, was big. That's looking less not and less anymore. valuable as time goes on, right? So the only team that I think we can really be sure about is Alabama. But even they struggled against Florida. So Florida's a good team, though. you got to right. give them credit. Anyway, that being said, it's wide open this year. It is. And it's funny to me that as you look back on the three losses Nebraska has suffered this year, the only one you can truly make an argument that they deserve to lose was Illinois. The only game that you felt like, I feel like you can say that without a shadow of a doubt, Nebraska deserved to lose that game. They were outplayed in that game was Illinois. And man, that it's just brutal. In, in so many ways, it's brutal. And I heard, I, like listening to some of the call-in shows last night, like 
people talked about it's just not fun to be a Husker fan, and that's true. And there's a certain level of that, and I'm gonna I am gonna name a name here, um, but you know, this is someone who it, it sometimes bugs me, and I, I sometimes like identify with what he says, and I know it's part of it is an act, but you know, Jack Mitchell on Twitter, his you know constant talks of uh, we're cursed or here comes the the uh, the nut kick um, or whatever this is bound to happen it's white hot pain it's awful and there's a certain amount of defeatism in that that i dislike a lot and that bugs me a lot but he in some ways he's right like in some ways it's hard for me to disagree with him because it does suck like it is brutal and it's so hard to cheer for this team because you're constantly waiting for the string to be pulled you're constantly waiting for the flag for the backbreaking mistake that comes right afterwards. So it's very, very hard to actually honestly cheer at any point uh, for this football team. And it's been that way for about as long as I've been alive, but I think it's gotten worse in the last few years. Yeah, and there's a lot of different frustrating things. And I, I'm just going to say this. It could be a lot worse if we're if we're being honest. And I know, yeah. I know it sucks losing games like this but it's to quality opponents but let's get into some team stats here before I start to go into this but looking at the comparison you would have thought Nebraska blew Michigan State out blew them out and give credit to Eric Schnander and his unit on the defense they played great last night they were not good they were great they were arguably a top 15 defense last night so first downs Nebraska had 26 to Michigan State's 12 Third down efficiency, Nebraska was 7 of 20. Michigan State, 1 of 11. 1 of 11. Nebraska, 2 for 2 on fourth down. Michigan State, 0 for 1 on fourth down. Total yards, and this is this is the real jaw-dropper stat. Nebraska, 442 to Michigan State's 254. When is the last time you saw Nebraska outgain a team like that? That's not a well, FCS so opponent. That that to me that is something that happens a lot under Frost, and that has happened a lot in the one score losses. And I, and forgive me because I don't have them all in front of me right now. Right. But I'm pretty sure they lost last year to Northwestern. They outgained them by at least 100 yards. Uh, they have out in almost every loss to Iowa in terms of yardage. They have outgained the Hawkeyes under Frost. So but by like, that margin, to me, that is very common. To but outgain by, teams and lose because the red zone offense has just been so brutally inefficient. That is almost a 200-yard difference. Yeah, that, I mean, it, you, it's big. You need to win if you have a 200-yard difference. Oh, yeah. Martinez, sure. he went 200, 251 yards through the air. Obviously, the pick in overtime, 24 of 34. Not pinning this game on Adrian. I thought he played well enough to win the game besides that one mistake. Um, rushing. Nebraska, 187 yards. Michigan State is a team, 71. So they held Kenneth Walker in check very well last night, actually. Yeah. 19 carries for 61 yards. They did what we talked about on, or what I talked about on Thursday. The biggest key of the game to me was negative plays on early downs. Mm -hmm. And they did a very good job of getting negative plays on early downs, especially in the first quarter. It lacked, there was a little, the defense lacked a little bit of that in the second quarter. Uh, But man, Quarters one, three, and four, you really did a great job of mm-hmm. establishing that. Penalties, Nebraska had six for 40. Michigan State had five for 44. We'll get into that. Nebraska with two turnovers. They lost a fumble, which was a big one. 
Luckily, the defense got the stop. Right, right. And the obviously the interception in overtime. Possession, time of possession, this one blows me away. Nebraska, 37 minutes and 28 seconds. Michigan State, 22 minutes and 32 seconds. And I believe Michigan State had 14 yards in the second half. Right. Not even in the fourth quarter, in the second half, which is it's amazing to me. And that's a, that's a awesome positive for the defense there. Mm-hmm. But when you apparently, according to Coach Frost in the postgame presser, when the punt return that went back for a touchdown to tie the game, he was supposed to punt it right, punt it left. Obviously, nobody was over there because credit to Michigan State, they executed that flawlessly. The fake. I mean, what did they have to do? Did they even I have mean, to throw a block? The only thing they really it, had to it do. It wasn't even it, like I think most of the time teams usually will put more than one returner back there. Uh, or but usually it's fairly more. obvious about which returner is getting the ball, right? Right, because the dude punts it the right way. And the other thing too, which is interesting to me, and I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I know in high school and a lot of times, you know, if the punter says we're going to punt it this way, right? We're gonna, whatever way we're going to punt the ball, right? And he screws it up and doesn't punt it the right way, the protector or the punter is calling mm-hmm. which way the punt actually went. So the return, so the coverage team knows where to go. Left, right, or middle. That would be something I would be interested in too to know mm-hmm. if there was a communication breakdown there, or I because mean, the camera guy, the camera guy even lost the ball. Right. Um, based off of where everybody was going. Well, it looked like the guy on the right was going to fair catch it, and I think that drew a lot of attention from Nebraska defenders, and then obviously Jalen Reed was right there to take it to the house, which right. was pretty deflating watching that game. But And I, we were just talking right before we started recording about Scott Frost, and I think both of you and I are on the same page that this loss is not on him. Um, there is one thing I disagree with, and I know a lot of Husker fans do, that he did in the game. But other than that, I thought he honestly called a pretty pretty good game for this offense. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's some amount of – there's very – like we talked a lot about play calling in years past. That has not been an issue for me for the most part. It really year. hasn't. There's some red zone play calling issues where I'm like, okay, why are we why are we running right. back dive – or why aren't we running halfback dive? Uh, so th- there's some amount of that for me that causes some issues from time to time. The only play I can really think of that I didn't like uh, was that option pass to Austin Allen on the short side of the field. It was in the second half. Adrian to made a read. Uh, it was a triple option pass, oh, okay. basically. That was a little odd, uh, and it could have really honestly just been a misread by Adrian or someone else. So it is incredibly hard to me to put much of this loss on Frost. And I get it, like, it does to a certain extent all come back to the head coach. Mm -hmm. But he's not out there exactly mentally making mistakes right and that's what i said to to you and a couple other people right like like scott cannot go out there and force whoever is punting to punt the ball forward he cannot force them to punt it 40 yards he cannot force them to punt it right when he rolls right instead of just randomly missing it and punting it left he can't 
force the offensive linemen. He can't go out there and hold their hand and force them to stay set. He can't. There's a number of things he cannot do. He cannot hold this team's hand. And, you know, I think there was a there was a couple callers last night who were dogging on Frost for uh, – blaming kind of blaming the players in the press conference but to me I didn't really feel like that was a huge part of what was going on but they deserved it it was the players loss yes uh, it was the players loss 100% special teams was atrocious and more so the defense not the defense the special teams is lost yeah if anything if any unit that won the game for Nebraska was the defense yeah and if I was the defense and if I was Eric Shenander, I would be incredibly pissed off because in the second half, that defense played virtually perfect. You, you can't get any better than that. Right. You really can't. Right. Unless you like holding a team to zero yards is like basically impossible. Right. So, you know, again, I can't, I, it, I can't put it on. I, I can't. I really cannot put it on Frost. Play calling, you can put on Frost. Clock management, which I'm sure you'll talk, want to talk about next, I, I think you could put on Frost. Uh, the hard part is, you know, you, you can't fire players, right? Other than, like, other than cutting them, you can't fire players. And so what's going to happen here, if this continues, is that the players are going to lose Scott's job. If, if stuff like last night continues to happen, you know, it's that's that's where things will end up. So it's, it's so disappointing. It really, really is. Because, again, as I said at the top of the show, like this team is a couple of single-possession games, a special teams unit, and a at least semi-competent offensive line away from being 5-0 and in a top-15 team. They are... So close. With two ranked wins. So close. And that's why that's why the end of the game last night, I was obviously very disappointed with the outcome. I felt like that. And I agree with what Frost had to say. They had no business losing that game. No business losing that game. That was theirs. Right. It was in the palm of their hands. And we've seen that multiple times. But I feel like, say, Nebraska bring up a close loss from last year or 2019. I feel like I'll, I'll, br- I'll bring up 2019 Purdue, for example. That's a game that Nebraska probably should have won on the road. In fact, they should have won it on the road against a two-win Purdue team. Nebraska was 4-4 four and four at the time. And that's a game Nebraska let slip. And obviously that's super frustrating because you're letting it slip against a not a very good team. Here, where progress is shown is, yes, they're still letting it slip, which is unacceptable, but they're hanging in there and having a chance to beat top 25 teams in the country. And now, and you alluded to clock management on Frost's front. This, this is the only thing, like the only thing I'm questioning him about last night. Why do you not use those two timeouts at the end of the fourth quarter? Why? Like, even if it doesn't work out for you, give your offense a chance Give Adrian a chance to make a play. Even I believe there are probably like 22, 23 seconds left. I don't know exactly. I'd have to go back and look. Frost claimed there were 18. I don't think there were 18. I think there were more than that, more time than that. 
because um, the clock obviously kept running once Adrian went down. I thought they should have burned it right when his knee hit the ground. Call timeout. Because, say, in the next play, you get a chunk play that's like a 20-yard pass. You either get out of bounds, or if you don't, you burn another timeout. And if you're not in field goal range, everybody run out routes. Get out of bounds. Set up Colt for a potential game winner. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's very scripted and has to be executed almost flawlessly. But they've done that. They, they're they good the in the two-minute drill. They are good when they're up-tempo. I think that's when that offense is at its best. It's when they're in the two-minute drill. And I don't know why they don't do it more. But why, why not give Adrian Martinez, your senior quarterback, your three-time captain, yes, there's been ups and downs in his career, but give him a chance. Do you, like, do you realize how much of a statement that would have been? If they if he led that team down the field oh, yeah. for a game winning I mean, score, th- so you think about the storylines before the punt return were starting to write themselves. Mm-hmm. The corner had been turned before the punt return, because you think about the first half. You're down thirteen to ten. Your offensive line has basically lost you the first half. Uh, I mean, nearly forty yards. Uh, in between penalties and sacks. I think it ended up somewhere between 40 and 50 yards that your offensive line lost you between penalties and sacks. So you come out in the second half, drive right down the field, get stopped, but you get a field goal. You don't miss the field goal. Like, Colt was two for two. Yeah, good and, good and for granted, him. They were both inside, you know, I think 30 yards, but 35 still, yards. He's, but still, he's missed extra he's points. Missed those. Yeah, so that was good. But... <laughs> I like you you could see it start to write itself because the offensive line executed there were no false starts you could you could see the storyline even as a writer you know like I don't write for football I write for volleyball but I could like see my storyline writing itself in in my head as I was watching the game that Nebraska goes into the locker room they say wake up let's get let's get after this big speech in, from the offensive line and they come out and they execute perfectly in the second half. The defense was great. They come, they come back. You know, you you overcome a fumble from Adrian uh, without allowing any points. You take the lead, twenty to thirteen, with seven and a half minutes to go. You get a stop. You get the ball back, and you could see it writing itself. You could see the corner start to be turned, and you could see them peeking around the corner. Then the punt happens. That literally just has to go out of bounds. It could have gone out of bounds at any point. It literally could have gone out of bounds two yards beyond the line of scrimmage, and that defense would not have allowed a touchdown. Mm-hmm. There's not a doubt in my mind that they would have not allowed a touchdown. Wherever I'd take another 11-yard punt yeah, over that. I would, have, I would have taken the 7-yard punt, <laughs> honestly. And then the punt return touchdown happens, and it feels like you're back to square one. I mean, that is that is frustrating beyond belief. That is <laughs> almost abuse. <laughs> you know, I, I just to the fan base itself, like so brutally disappointing. Well, and you mentioned that big speech from the offensive line in the in the locker room at halftime. I think though they were the one getting cussed out in the locker room. I had never seen Frost look so like disgruntled and mad on the sideline. And after that, I believe third or fourth false start penalty. And this is what I've been kind of calling to see from Scott Frost while he's been here is right. he grabbed the offensive line unit, grabbed him by the face mask, pulled him in, and 
yelled at him. And sometimes you got to do that. And with a performance like that, I mean, that's warranted. Right. No, that was great. I, I, I absolutely freaking loved seeing that. Yeah. Uh, he showed some fire, which I liked. And you could even feel it in the post-game press conference. Listening to that, he wasn't his monotone self. Like, oh, we didn't do enough to win the game. Oh, uh, we were supposed to punt it to the right. We punted it to the left on accident. Like, you could tell he was fired up in that press conference. And, I mean, yeah. The most frustrating part about this whole thing, and I know this is just kind of reiterating everything that we've said so far, but the group of players that he has in that locker room is so much more talented than everybody thinks. Yeah. Like, it is a very talented group of football players. The false starts, especially with the offensive line, they have to stop. Mm. And Frost pointed it out in the post-game presser as well. That probably cost them points. Oh, yeah. In the first half, it undoubtedly did. Yes. It probably yeah. cost them points. And you you just can't have that. And then the, and then the sack with – this is the one, like, real mistake the defense made was the sack. And I forgot who sacked him. I but it was DeAndre he, Thomas. Yeah, and then yeah. he threw him down afterwards. And Yeah, just boneheaded. Yeah. It, so. You just can't have that. I think some of the problem – it's hard for me – and this is, a, this is a abrupt. But you can't fix stupid. Like – some of that comes in for me in, in some cases. Uh, the problem is it really isn't that. I think that sometimes, but these guys get out and talk in front of the media and you know they're not stupid. So, I, I mean, it, it's it's so confusing. And <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if they put the the punter out in front of the media this week. I doubt they will. Uh, it'll, it'll, like, Twitter like said, would have a field day I'll tell you that much It would be interesting if they did that uh, I don't think they will But it would be interesting <laughs> and, and again In a defense of Frost And not using the timeouts And playing for overtime I know there are a lot of people That are like uh, No fear of failure That's garbage um, You know I would agree with that statement However uh, That Not going for it there Totally totally is a violation of no fear of failure and he's a hypocrite my thing is this and i i think that argument does have some amount of leg to stand on but think about what's happened in one minute to go situations for nebraska this season there are two illinois in which Adrian got sacked almost immediately, and they lost. And Oklahoma, in which Adrian got sacked almost immediately, and they lost. Back-to-back sacks. So, I don't blame him for not trusting the offensive line in that situation, because what in the world would give you any level of trust in that, that offensive line group? Especially after they literally had just allowed a sack. So if what had happened had been that he had called timeout and Adrian had thrown a pick six or had been strip sack, fumble scoop six, or had turned the ball over, he would have been basically fried in the media and in the fan base for doing that too. So I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but he would have been screwed either way um, unless something great happened. So, 
that that's my defense of him. As I look at the rest of the schedule, uh, one thing is pretty obvious to me. Nebraska is going to be in every single game they play for the rest of the year. There is not a game on that schedule in which Nebraska is going to get blown out. I think that was made very obvious today or yesterday by the performance of the rest of the teams in the Big Ten. Ohio State is not what they were last year. They had a. And they, they just lost player, that linebacker. Yeah, just quit in the middle of the game. <laughs> that was and tweet, very weird. And tweet F Ohio State in a game that they won by like I don't know how many points. They played Akron. Yeah. That's funny. But uh, that is funny. No, it was actually hilarious. Uh, so they're not what they are. Iowa struggled against Colorado State. Wisconsin looks. As inept on offense as I they think are, I have oh ever my. seen. They are abysmal on offense. And that was the stretch that was supposed to be the most brutal in this schedule. And honestly, it's kind of doing a 180. And Michigan couldn't put Rutgers away. Okay, so, well, let's not throw some disrespect on Rutgers' name. That's Come true. On. But my thing is this. This defense is one of the best units in the Big Ten. I don't know if they're better than Iowa. They, they certainly don't. They're force up there. As, they they're top as, three. They don't force as many turnovers as Iowa does, but they're an incredibly solid unit. My mouth is watering to see Graham Mertz play this defense. Oh my gosh! Yeah, hundred percent. And that's not a shot at Graham Mertz. Like obviously he hasn't been very good this year, but that's a team that Nebraska has not been able to get it done for, done against for years now. Right. This, this is the chance, right? And I will say I do have a rebuttal for the whole frost thing with the timeouts and you mentioned yes they were they've had multiple instances like that earlier in the year and they haven't panned out very well for nebraska but those first two times they were playing from behind they were tied this time that's that's the big reason that's the big issue i have with this because if you call a timeout and then you take another sack okay fine it's not worth using the final timeout just let it run to overtime or like even if you Call a timeout, get a play done, and then you throw a pick as time expires or something. Odds are he doesn't return it. We go to overtime anyway. So I feel like that that's the biggest issue that I have. And going back on the talk, now let's hit our scores real fast because we did make picks. So let's do that. We both got Nebraska-Michigan State wrong, unfortunately. Both got Northwestern right. I believe we had all the same Big Ten picks again. Uh, except for Wisconsin-Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, and I felt good about that until Graham Mertz threw two pick sixes. Oh, that's right. Well, go Irish, I guess. Yeah. Number five, Iowa. They got it done against Colorado State, 24-14. As Grant said, they struggled. Northwestern, 35-6 over Ohio. Penn State, 38-17 against Villanova. Very interesting. Uh, Number 10, Ohio State, 59-7 over Akron. Notre Dame, 41-13 over Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Michigan, 20-13 against Rutgers. A very much improved Rutgers, I will say. I don't think that's... Michigan struggling. I I think it's Rutgers being improved more so than Michigan struggling in that game because they were shut out in the second half. They didn't score. So good for Rutgers there. But we got that game right. Um, oh, we both got Minnesota wrong because they lost to Bowling Green. Yeah, speaking of how how could it get any worse, Nebraska fans? Yeah. There, there that, you are. That could get worse. That could be worse. And here we are yet again another week and Minnesota flexing on the oh, for sure loss to for sure win 
Spectrum. It's so our, weird. Our I season. really don't want to make any predictions around that game. I said Purdue would cover against Illinois. I was far from right. They won 13-9 to in a close one in West Lafayette. Maryland beat Kent State 37-16. to They're 4-0, by the way. And Indiana beat Western Kentucky by two on the road, 33-31. to Your non-con game was what, remind me? Uh, that one I got right, I believe, if I remember correctly, unless it was Kansas State, in which case I've got it horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, yeah, uh, that was that good old ESPN Plus game you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, it might have been that one. I don't know. I might have gone away from it and picked No, uh, you elsewhere. did pick that game. That was the game? Yeah. Well, then I got it wrong, so. Um, Okie State won. Yeah, they did. It I TikToks, man, they get you. <laughs> but in uh, in to close, I think my thought out on Nebraska before we ended here uh they're going to be in every game for the rest of the year. That defense will keep them in every game. So, there is I think some solace in that. The problem is can the offense execute at a high level to where it, it doesn't, you know, each week it isn't the defense and Adrian versus whoever the opponent is, special teams and the offensive line. So that to me is the biggest barrier to success for this group. And they're the ones who stand in the way of it. So, you know, you look at Northwestern, should be a bounce back week. That game is always close, but. They should have the talent to blow the doors off Northwestern. They should have the talent. They should to blow the doors off Purdue. Uh, so, you know, those are a couple of wins right there. They should be able to beat Minnesota. So then, at that point, you have to beat Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, or Ohio State to go to a bowl game. And as we keep alluding to, I think Joel Klatt is a thousand percent right with saying we're going to beat one of those teams. I hope so. I, th- I hope so. This week only helped that. I, I think that did make me move me a little bit closer. I think Michigan State's a good team. No, I, I do too, and uh, they, they proved that they're a good team. I Again, I know I talked about how they probably shouldn't have deserved the ranking this week, but that's just me. But, I mean, they're 4-0 now, 2-0 in the league. you got to yeah. give them the ranking. Yeah, yeah. And so where things lie for the future, totally, you know, Scott Frost's job, everything depends on the special teams figuring it out. Depends on the offensive line figuring it out. You know, I it's hard for me. It'll be hard for me to pick Nebraska in any of those games against Wisconsin, Iowa, especially. Not so much Ohio State, in my opinion, but Wisconsin and Iowa, especially because those two teams have incredibly solid defensive fronts that I think our the offensive line will struggle with. Um, on the flip side of that coin, they both have really poor offenses that the Nebraska defense should. Uh, be able to handle so can they get over the hump you know the the people that stand in the way of getting them over the hump is them mm-hmm. and again they will be in every game they play this year for the rest of the year they will not blow anybody out at all doesn't matter if it's purdue or northwestern until yeah, they get cares? out of their own way so as long as you win the game it doesn't matter in the Big Ten, as long as you get it done. That's true. That's as long true. as you get it done. By the way, my non-con game was Arkansas-Texas A&M. I picked Arkansas. They won 20-10. to 
which is pretty awesome. They're four and zero. They're fun to watch. They are fun to they watch. They are fun to watch. They we'll know a lot about them pretty soon. They play Ole Miss and Alabama back to back. Ooh, that's so we'll tough. find out a lot about Ole Miss and we'll find out a lot about Alabama in those two games. But that is yeah, Arkansas is fun. It does have an Indiana feel to them a little bit, I think. Uh, but with more legitimacy, I think so. I think so. And the Cam Newton comparisons are well deserved. <laughs> Uh, and I'll just throw in a couple of live score updates here because it is Sunday and it's not really going to matter when you listen to this, but hopefully the games that Grant and I root for are turning out the way we want them to. But I saw this, thought it was worth mentioning. The Chiefs are down 14 nothing to the Chargers right now, Yeah, closing yeah. in at halftime. Not infallible. My Chicago Bears are tied with the Browns on the road with two minutes left in the second quarter. It's a defensive battle, 3-3 three to three in Justin Fields' first start. It's a good old-fashioned Chicago Bear football. And Grant's New York Giants are up 6 nothing with the ball against the Falcons with 2.22 left to go in yeah, the first half. They about to punt it away, though. So, well, they have the lead, so that's good. But that will do it for us on Rapid Reactions, episode number four of season two. Once again, Nebraska drops game five on the road against Michigan State 23-20. They're back at home for homecoming next week, a 6.30 p.m. kickoff on Big Ten Network as they host the Northwestern Wildcats as Nebraska looks to bounce back and get to 3-3 three and three next Saturday. We thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate the support. Once again, you can find Grant and I on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in any of your favorite podcast networks. We'll be back later this week to preview Northwestern Nebraska, but until then, go Big Red.